Good morning, everyone. How's it going? Are we good? The Lord is good all the time. Praise the Lord. Amen. Did you guys enjoy worship this morning? Sheesh. We're incredibly privileged, eh? I mean, there's oftentimes we feel special when, uh, like, you know, famous people are in the room. But, man, when you're just worshiping, you're like, God is here. Yes. You know, it's like, it's so cool. God is good. Amen. Are you guys good this morning? Alrighty. For those of you that were late this morning, we were early. <laughs> hey, I'm getting claps on that side. Praise the Lord. Come on, give God a praise. You see, by grace, anything's possible, eh? By grace, anything's possible. Where's that delivery? <laughs> I, think, I think the people are still in shock, eh? Hey? Grant's got a point. Yeah, maybe it's like, hey, what happened to these people? Did they wet the bed? What, what? Yes, see, it's crazy, man. But don't worry, don't worry. Listen, um, I know everyone's a bit nervous about the news of 8.30, but listen, it's going to be lacquer, guys. Don't worry. It's going to be lacquer. Going to get church out the way early. You're still going to have time to socialize, eat samosas, go home, have Sunday lunch. It's going to be cool, man. Amen. Alrighty. Uh, who's on camera today? James. Sorry, it's just me. I may be moving a lot. It's uh, synonymous with my personality, so don't worry. It's all good. Okay, so who was here last week? Show hands, this side. Yes, yes, this side. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, cool. Uh, for those of you who have not yet subscribed to our podcast, please do so. All right, we are on all platforms. So Google, Apple, Deezer, Spotify, and all the rest. Get on there. Use it. It's good. The audio messages are available. And uh, yeah, amen. So we've been talking about the good fight of faith. Look at the person next to you. Say, hey, are you fighting? The good fight of faith. Now, last week, we got into some, uh, some very, very interesting things. I think uh, <laughs> we spoke about some, uh, you know, some deep stuff, some, some uh, sensitive things. I got a lot of reactions when I was talking about, uh, you know, the certain emotions, you know, the certain frustrations in life. And uh, just a quick recap, uh, let's go to uh, 1 Timothy 6, 11 to 12. Zoe, you should have told me to smile. She's taking pictures here. For our social media, praise the Lord. <laughs> and, uh, and this was our foundational uh, scripture was 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now, uh, we were touching on last week about how it's amazing that Paul tells Timothy, listen, fight the good fight of faith, but it's all preceded by pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And Tasso highlighted last week about how pursuit is a choice, right? Say, choice. Like this morning when we were saying, you are free to choose, right? You are free to choose. So in the midst of anything in your life, it is your choice about how you're going to respond. Amen? It's your choice about how we're going to respond. And uh, I made a statement last week where, uh, uh, and this one, I think this one got the biggest reaction, where I said, um, you know how we all say, oh, I'm in faith, I'm in faith. But we never stop to ask the question that if I'm in faith, why is there still fear in my heart? Are you guys with me? And you know, over the years, um, 
depending on where you've been and what you've heard over the years, it's sometimes difficult when it comes to those situations in life because you kind of get told you got to pray 24 hours or you got to try something or you got to stand strong or, you know, you got to do all these things. But while you're doing all these things, you still have fear in your heart. And you kind of have this like short-circuiting in your mind that it's just going to be okay. It's fine. It's just going to be okay. It's just gonna, and you hope and you go and you go and you go and you struggle along and you're like, okay, Maybe I'll get there eventually. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? So we say we're in faith, but we still have fear in our heart. But the problem is the Bible does not teach it like that. Are you with me? If you are in faith, there cannot be fear. Amen? Pastor, are you saying that when I have fear, I'm not in faith? Yes, I'm not saying that. The Bible's saying that, right? But what's the problem? No, there's not a problem. Breathe. Everyone take a deep breath. Not like you guys are stressing out, but it's okay. Darren, you're good, Ruth. Yeah, look at man. <laughs> so the other paradox that we were talking about last week about this fear and faith thing is that you can be a child of God and still have problems. And in the midst of your problems, God can be true. God is still good, right? The work of Christ is still complete. You are still saved. You're still filled with the Holy Spirit and all these things. But you're like, oh, pastor. But look at my life, there's problems, okay? Who told you that there wouldn't be? And we addressed that perception last week. We think, oh, now that we are children of God, right? Now everything magically disappears. Eh, wrong, it does not. Jesus is the son of God and everywhere he went was just problems. You guys know that meme, it's like, I don't want peace, I want problems. You guys know that thing, right? That's what everyone who came to Jesus was like. They were like, Jesus is like, oh, verily I say unto thee. He's like, wait, Jesus, heal this guy. Jesus is like, but I'm telling you about the king. Heal this guy. Are you with me? He was always interrupted by problems. Amen. But the thing is this, though, is that whenever, wherever Jesus went, he was always in faith. There was no problem that was in front of him that was too big. More importantly, there was no problem, right, that caused him to question who God was and who he was. Amen. And we ended off last week in, in the book of Mark, and we, um, we spoke about Jesus in the boat. You guys remember that story? Let's go there quickly. We can read it. Mark 4.35. Thank you, Adelie. Mark 4.35. <clears throat> that day when evening came, he said to the disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind. Now, what did Jesus say? Let's go over to the other side. So leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat, right? There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Next. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, they went from watching Jesus do all these things and preach about the kingdom to, you don't care about us, we're going to drown. You're asleep, we're in trouble. Are you guys with me? Thanks, Christ. And this is Jesus' response. He got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Tula. Okay? Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Right? Now, what we unpacked last week was that Jesus said, we're going to the other side. 
So ideally, what should have been the response of the disciples when the storm came? No, it's chill. We're going to the other side. Don't worry. Yeah, but the waves, the, the boat's making a noise. We're taking on water. Yeah, but Jesus said we're going to the other side. And you see, they, they, forgetting his words, got so fearful to the point where they asked him, do you not care about us? This is the same Jesus, right, who's been discipling them, who's been providing for them, who's been teaching them about the kingdom, who's been showing them the miracles of God almost every single day. They got to the point through fear that, Jesus, do you not even care about us? We're about to drown. Are you guys with me? This is like so weird because I sit here, so I always talk there. So now I'm getting stuck here. So guys, bear with me on this side. I'm, I'm just going to turn over a few times. Sorry, James. Are you still with me? Okay, cool. <laughs> but they got so fearful that the same Jesus, they saw all the goodness, they realized that he is the son of God, got to the point of, do you even care about us? And last week we spoke about how sometimes in us it's like, but God, why are you doing this to me when we have trouble? God, have you forgotten me? God, do you even still hear my prayers? Can you see we got the same problem? Because we have more reaction to the situation than we do to the word of God. And the paradox is this, like I said again, that you can be a child of God and still have trouble. But in your trouble, you can have faith, not fear. Amen? Now, as a child of God, your reality is a little bit more complicated than those in the world, okay? And you need to accept this because the people in the world only have death. Amen? Those who don't believe in Jesus don't have hope. Their hope is Monday morning when the stock market's reports come out. Okay, are we up? Are we down? Their, their reports are the economists. Okay, the recession's coming in, in six months. Guys, get ready. Are you with me? Food shortages, sickness, load shedding, whatever it is, okay? But as a child of God, you find yourself in this friction every day where, okay, Lord, the world is broken, dying, and falling apart, but inside me, I feel a hope. Are you guys with me? In Christ, we have a hope. And in Christ now, you find yourself in this position where everyone around you is feeling the same stress you're feeling, but you're not underneath it. Are you guys with me? You feel like, okay, yeah, okay, that, that's hectic, sure. That's, oof. But in your heart, you know it's like, it's going to be okay. You guys know what I'm talking about? Hey, people this side, you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? It's going to be okay. And last week, we were talking about justification. Everyone say justification. Now, justification, loosely translated, is logic, reason, evidence. Are you with me? So, for example, you have evidence for something to be the way it is. Now, people in the world, their justification is only what's in the world. So, if someone's got a terminal illness, right, what happens? They go to the doctor. The doctor gives them a 10-page report. Say, listen, we've done your bloods. We've done your scans. We've done everything. Uh, turns out you have a whole family history of all these things. You have an entire justification for that sickness to be there. Amen? They've given you a whole portfolio of evidence but as a child of God you've been given an additional justification amen you've been given an additional justification so as a child of God you find yourself in this friction where okay the doctor's giving me this portfolio of evidence but Jesus has given me a portfolio of evidence 
Amen? So now, the trick is this, is that we have to discipline ourselves about which evidence we're going to accept or which evidence we're going to hold fast to. Are you with me? Look at the person next to you. Say, hey, you can't run away from your problems. But what you have to do is put Jesus in your problem. Amen? Let's go to Galatians chapter 3 quickly. Galatians 3.13. Are you guys with me this morning? Are you following? Yes. Let's get it. Galatians 3.13. And I want to I break this down because it's a very subtle mechanic that's at play, and it's unfortunately due to a bit of ignorance, okay, on all our parts, right? Uh, 3.13 and 14. Thanks, Dill. Oh, what happened to Ed? Okay. So, 13. Now, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Right. Now, can you see curse, blessing? Okay, law, faith. You see those two paradigms there, okay? Now, let's talk about the curse for a second. Anyone here? I'm not talking about Harry Potter curses, okay? Harry Potter fans? That's not what I'm talking about, okay? There's not many nerds here this morning. But the, okay, James is the ambassador, okay? All right, I'm not talking about the, the Harry Potter curses or, you know, black magic. You know, no, no, I'm not talking about any of that. You see, you see, Adam... The Lord bless his soul, okay? <laughs> Adam did something stupid, and he put all of us under the curse, okay? Now, a curse is not a magic spell, guys. A curse is a state that gives you evidence, all right, for the life you can live. Now, Romans tells us that through Adam, right, death reigned through sin, and every single one of us was born into sin. Amen. So when you are under the curse, what does it mean? It means that you've got no evidence. You've got no logic, no reason to go beyond death. You've got no reason to experience success, to experience peace, to experience wholeness, nothing. You've got all the evidence in the world to be like, this is my portion in life. That's it. Look at where I'm stuck. Apartheid. Look at where I'm stuck, ANC. Look at where I'm stuck. Oh, my education, I studied the wrong thing. I'm you have, when you're under the curse, you only have evidence for limitations. Listen to what I'm saying. You see, because the sin we were born into, because of Adam, we couldn't overcome. And those people in the world who overcome, right, they will try and let you know, this is how I did it. Have you guys ever seen those videos of, uh, what's that thing? Uh, uh, morning routines of uh, CEOs. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, see, they wake up at like half past two in the morning. By 7.30, they've already run the comrades. They've eaten breakfast nine times. Okay, they've meditated 42 times, you know, and then only their day's going to be starting. And we're like, but uh, you've had like four days in one. What's going on, you know? But what they're putting out there is they're not putting out there about their own lack in their hearts that they have to work so hard to silence. You see, the curse has nothing to do with your ability. 
It's got nothing to do with your gifts or your talents, your, your intellect, you know, anything that you can do. The curse has to do with the fact that you have no evidence that you're worthy of it. Are you with me? That's what the curse is. You have no evidence that you're worthy of it. That's why when we enter situations, because our entire lives, we haven't been given evidence that anything else is possible, that is why we crumble under the pressure. That's why believers struggle and they feel chained up. It's like, God doesn't love me. Because in our minds, that's all we reason is that if God is good, why is this happening to me? If God is all-powerful, why is this happening to me? Atheist loves that one. God is either good or all-powerful. He can't be both, right? But the truth is, God himself said to us, listen, you go have dominion. You go have dominion. You go have dominion. You go have dominion. Are you with me? No one's got power over you except you. Amen? Say me. But here's the thing. Under the curse... Me couldn't produce anything to come out of death. Because I myself am sinful. Hello? Under the curse, I myself am worthy of death. I can do one thing today. In the morning, you know, you start off good. Okay, some people start off bad in the morning. I'm that people. It's fine. Praise the Lord. Right? But you can go and you're going a couple of hours. Next minute, you realize in your heart, ah. Okay, you could have done better there. You guys know what I'm saying? So we can't create evidence to escape death. Even the situations in our lives that we cause ourselves. How many of you have been like working with a hammer and then you hit that thumb? Do you blame the, <laughs> Do you blame the devil? Hey? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But when you hit that thumb, right, you're looking at it. You're looking at the pain. You're feeling it in your heart of hearts, and you're like, my thumb is real in Jesus' name. <laughs> but what's your mind busy doing? Your mind's busy creating a logic to say, okay, this is why my thumb hurts. You guys with me? And what do you do after that? After that, you're like, okay, I understand how the pain got here. I'm using a trivial example, but I understand how the pain got here. I'll just go through. And then you go down, then next minute you're losing your nail, and now you fractured a bone, and, you know, eventually the doctor's like, listen, you've got to cut your thumb off. I'm saying in your mind, you know what I'm saying, yeah? And, but, but you guys understand what I'm saying is that we are wired like this. We need evidence. So when we see these situations, we have all the evidence for death. Sorry, man, yeah, you can give me that. We have all the evidence for death because I did it, or someone else did it to me. Are you with me? So when that logic is complete, what do we do? We stay in our situations. We settle. Have you guys ever heard that thing of, this is just how I am? You sure? Mm. Are you sure? What Lady Gaga song? Maybe I was born this way. Maybe you just need to be reborn, you know? <laughs> you need to be <laughs> born again. But here's the thing now, okay? Verse 14, it says, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Who's the Gentiles? All of us, right? If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Through what? 
Christ Jesus. Amen? So that by we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now, here's the thing. When you become born again, right? Anyone did anything special to be born again besides believe? If you did, let's have a chat afterwards. Someone told you to eat something or sprinkle something or, I don't know, run three times around the church. I don't know what they told you, okay? Uh, we'll have a chat afterwards. Come and chat to us. We'll sort that out for you. But the truth is, Ephesians tells us that we are saved by grace through faith. Amen? Now, when you got saved, you looked at what, what was the, the main purpose of being saved. It was, it's usually eternity, right? That's what we do. It's like, listen, if you don't know Jesus, if, if, if you have not been reborn, if, if you don't know your eternal place, right, whether it's going to be above or below, if you don't know, raise your hand right now, and you'll be saved. And all of us did it, right? Well, those of us here who did it. Now, when that happened, in our minds, right, in our minds, the thing we realize is that, wait a minute, when I move on from this place, I'm not the one who's deciding where I'm going. Because this place is something beyond. Are you with me? Anyone? Was it just me? Well, you realize that, wait, God's in heaven, and then there's this other place that's really, really hot, okay? I don't want to burn, so I want to be at peace, right? And that's what we say. We say, Lord, if you're making a way, I accept the way, right? Now, that same faith that saved us there is the same faith that we live by. Are you with me? It's the same faith that we approach every situation by. But when the friction comes, the one I, I explained earlier, that's when we get crippled. That's when the emotions start hitting us, the thoughts start hitting us, all these things start hitting us because now, where we never had physical evidence for heaven and hell when we made our decision in the beginning, now in life, when we come to those friction situations, we've got evidence for fear and we've got evidence for faith. Are you guys with me? Are you seeing this mechanic at play here? So when you get a piece of bad news, anyone, give me a piece of bad news. COVID. No, man, something less serious, my goodness. Like in your personal life, anyone? Your contract is ending. There you go, right? So let's say you're working and then you, oop, there your contract is ending, okay? Now, let's work through the steps, okay? Let's work through the steps. The first thing when you get the message, you're, listen, your contract's ending, you got three months or you got a month, sorry, it's tough, but you know, we got to do it, company's downsizing, whatever. What's the first thing that goes in your mind? Money, right? Then, step on, what's the next thing? I'm going to be homeless. Like, you went from money to homeless, like, was it just me? Or was it just me that's that extreme, Right? <laughs> But that's your initial reaction. Oh, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Who am I gonna oh, I got to phone someone. I got I to I I do all this stuff. You know, you get into this frenzy because now you've got evidence that you are going to die. There's going to be death. Are you guys with me? Evidence number one. Now in the gospel, okay, and we as believers, the Bible teaches us, we need to bring in evidence number two. No one's going to bring in evidence number two for you. You know, there isn't a judge that says, all right, uh, we've heard that case, right, please bring in Jesus. You know, you're that judge in your life. Hello? You are that judge in your life. Pastor, can you help me? Of course I can help you. What do you want help with? I need to know what to do. Okay, let me just dial heaven. I've got, I've got Jesus on speed dial. I'll ask him. The number you have dialed does not exist. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 
But, but that's what people do is because immediately we know it's like, hey, that guy hears God. Let me go to him. Hello? You know what I'm saying? So now we got evidence number two. Boom. And we have to look at evidence number two and we have to say, okay, I know I've lost my contract here. And now, how many of you, when, when you lose a contract like that, the first thing in your mind is, I should have saved more. Anyone? I didn't need all that takeout. You know? You get that new cell phone, he's like, I don't need this thing. <laughs> it's just me? Okay, no, it's fine. It's just fine. Okay. But, but again, I'm painting the picture of what we go through, especially with gathering that evidence. Because you see, now you've been given evidence to be placed in death. Now you've already counting against yourself as to how worse it's going to be because of your own choices. Can you see the curse? Amen? So evidence number two, we say, okay, right. I am in Christ, number one. I am justified. I'm righteous by faith, right? God has said he is my provider. Like Llewellyn shared this morning. Even this contract ending, God has seen this already. The evidence that I have is that I have a new way to go and he's already prepared it for me. Are you guys with me? But what do we do in the midst of that moment? We're like, this would be so much easier if I didn't have to deal with it. Everyone, hey guys, I don't mean, I love you guys, man. <laughs> Everyone's like, ish. <laughs> but it's the truth. It would be so much easier if someone else could deal with all our stuff. Amen? So much easier. But you see, that's a mindset that we've been given through the curse. Why? Because through the curse, you're not powerful enough to deal with this. You're not strong enough to deal with this. You've got no wisdom to handle this. You're too old to do this, right? You're too weak, you're too poor, you're too whatever it is to do this. And you know what? The curse is right. Everyone's like, Bash, that took a weird turn. Good, it did. Because you see, we've also created this expectation that before Jesus, yes, we were sinners, we were weak, we were nothing, we were all these things. And now, after we get saved, we think we aren't those things anymore. You needed Jesus in the beginning. Now that you get him, what, you stop needing him? <laughs> Are you guys with me? Right? Romans 5.1. Let's go back there. Romans 5.1, because you see, now that you are saved, justified, right, you haven't automatically become strong, you haven't automatically become wise, you haven't automatically become all these things, but being in Christ, you now have license to receive his strength. You now have license to receive his wisdom. You now have license to receive his provision, evidence, logic, justification. Are you with me? Look at this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this. Are you guys with me? So coming to Jesus, guys, it doesn't take away all our weakness and all this stuff, whatever. It's taken away the limitation of having to perform by yourself. It's taken away the limitation from you having to accept the situation that you even created. That even in that situation where you change yourself, 
If you submit to God through faith, you have access to his grace. But who's going who's gonna to need to submit? Me. Amen? I'm the one who needs to submit. And you know, when we get saved, we have these, these lovely Christian fa- uh, phrases. I rebuke you, devil. But how? Where's your strength to rebuke? I do not accept it. Before what happened? It was all over you. And all of a sudden, you're not accepting it. No. It doesn't work. Are you with me? Because just because you got saved doesn't mean you are powerful. It means you have gained access to his power. Are you with me? Can I have a few more minutes? We'll close up with this. Okay. Uncle Trev says I must carry on. Okay. Deal with him later, please. There we go. Now, through all those weird mindsets, and, and you know what it is, guys? It's because we, we don't want to be honest about the fear we're feeling. Are you with me? We don't want to be honest about it. How dare a Christian experience fear? What are you talking about? Who told you you're not, you're not going to experience fear? When John wrote that perfect love casts out all fear, obviously he's explaining that you have fear. Yes. You having fear is not a problem. Look at the person next to you. Say, it's not a problem. But it is a problem if you stay in fear. Amen? It is a problem. So we've been accustomed with these weird Christian magic spells, right? I rebuke you. I send you away. Bind you. You know? All these things that we've been given. Why? To mask fear. Are you with me? Because we feel that doing something is going to make us stop being fearful. No. The only thing that's going to stop fear in your life is to be justified by faith. Amen? Now, I want to show you a secret that Paul explains in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And this one's, al- this one's always been a tricky one because, you know, Paul, he's, he's the, the super apostle, Right? He even refers to these other super apostles. You know, when you read that letter, when he's rebuking all these false teachers, he's like, so-called super apostles, you know? But when you study his life and you read his letters and you understand the revelation that he has, where even Peter himself says, listen, our brother Paul talks about complicated things. Listen to him. We're on the same side, right? You'd think that a man who's walking like that wouldn't have a weakness, he wouldn't have struggles, right? In our minds, we create that. Amen? But check what happens here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. And I, I want you guys to see how he breaks down um, this mechanic that we're talking about here. And he says, yeah, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. And listen, when you read Corinthians, that church really upset him, eh? Like me and Pastor Didi love you guys. You guys are such good sheep. Amen. Give yourselves a round of applause, please. Praise the Lord. Like, like I, when I read Corinthians, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad. You know, CWW is not like these people. I don't know what we would do. But anyway, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. And this is him talking in the third person now. It's hilarious, okay? Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Yes, he's checking, man. Hey, you know? 
Um, and I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I would not boast about myself, except about my weakness. You're like, Paul, are you schizo, bro? Was that guy not you, right? But he says, where are we? Go back. Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> it just looks so different. Uh, okay, no, go back to five. Go back to five. That's, don't go before me, man. The Lord goes before me. Five, five. Okay. What? Okay. Except about my weakness, okay? Now, he says he's going to boast about his weakness. Now, watch this. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool. Because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Or because of these surpassingly great revelations, right? Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a, go before me. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. God didn't give it to him. Okay, let's just end that now. God didn't give that to him. Okay, but go next. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Now, after three times, it didn't get taken away. He just gave up. Hello? Are you with me? He stopped asking after three times. How many of us, for six months... For five years, for 18 years, we keep asking God, take this thing, please. And God's like, how do you want me to take this thing out? Right? And look at, look at the response. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You know Christians have a problem being weak? Why? Because we look like bad Christians. <laughs> Sorry, not sorry. Don't we? If we're weak, we look like bad Christians, right? But if we, are weak, if we aren't weak, how do we receive God's power? So you can be strong but useless. I'd rather be weak and experience God's power. Are you guys with me? Now, yeah, that was good. You can clap there. That was a good one. Thank you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> A while back we did, uh, what was it, pride? The sin, yeah, humility. We did humility, right? And that thing was, was a bit hectic. That one, that one chopped all of us. Even while we were preaching it, we are like, yo, we can be more humble. Amen, right? But the truth is this, is that if we are not weak, he cannot be strong. So when you're in this place of that friction, guys, when you've got both sets of evidence, you know what you need to do? Just like what Paul is doing here, because you see, he didn't say, oh, it's grace flowing and I have no weakness. No, he's acknowledging that he's got both sets of evidence. He's saying, I can see my weakness. I can see I'm struggling with this thing. I can see that I can't solve this. But the Lord says to him, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, just like we read in the other verse, what gives us access to the grace of God? Faith. Are you with me? It's not ignoring the problem or trying to be a good Christian. It's to say, Father, I don't have the strength. I don't have the wisdom, I don't have the intellect, the knowledge, the understanding, the experience. I don't have any of these things. 
but I've been justified by you. So right now in this moment, I'm going to open my heart and I'm going to receive. Because you see, your problem cannot be taken away, solved, removed, overcome, conquered until you receive. Because before Jesus, you were weak, and after Jesus, you're still weak. But you need to receive his strength. Amen? You need to receive his wisdom. Because if you had the strength or the wisdom, you wouldn't be in the situation. Amen? Are you guys with me? Can you see this at play here? Are you, are you connecting it to your own life? Amen? And you know what, guys? This persuasion is something we have to do daily. When you wake up in the morning, thank God that your lungs work. When you wake up in the morning, thank God that you can breathe, that you know what, you could wake up, you can get out of bed. Start being thankful for things that are seemingly worthless. Are you with me? Because it's by God's design that we're living like this anyway. If I lift my leg like this, that's God's design. How the brain, nerves, all these things connect. You sitting here taking a breath, that's God's design. Are you with me? Every day, the greatest thing as a Christian that you can do is to put yourself in a place of absolute weakness so you can receive even more grace. Amen? And that's got nothing to do with discounting yourself. It's got to do with acknowledging Him. Amen? You know, in 2018, I had a, a bit of a, a defining moment in my life with a lot of things, right? And... Um, it started off great because my birthday is in March. So, you know, beginning of the year, woo, it's great. It was cool. And shortly after that, I kid you not, you know, a few people here can testify to this. So many things fell apart in, in more ways than I can explain, right? But the only thing that was constant was God, as he always is, right? And uh, anyway, month on month, personally, financially, even at work, you know, everything was, geez, it was, it was rough. I mean, did you remember, I was at one stage... My boss had a nervous breakdown. I was told on the morning, listen, you're taking over. I'm like, okay, I haven't been told anything. I haven't been taught anything. I don't know what's going on, but I'll do it. It's fine. I was working probably 18 hours a day at one stage. It was really hectic, you know. But throughout this entire time, I'm practicing this. So I'm not really conscious of how hectic it actually is, you know. And, and I'm going for it. I'm going for it. I think at, at that time also, I couldn't teach in the week. Remember at discipleship school? We had to swap Wednesday. I, I used to teach on Sundays and you on Wednesday because I was working so much. And I remember a couple months in, I'm sitting next to uh, my accountant at that time and we're going through the accounts and everything. And she just thought, hey, let me check how this dude's doing. You know, and she asked a question. And I give her this update. And while I'm giving her this update about everything that's happening, this lady just breaks down crying at, in, here in the office next to me. I'm like, hey, are you good? Well, what's going on? Are you good? She's, she sobs for about five minutes, and then afterwards, I'm like, what happened? I didn't say anything. I've just been telling you about what's been going on. And she's like, I didn't know it was so hectic. And I looked at her. I was like, yo, even me. And then all of a sudden, I'm just starting to remember, and I'm just like, how am I doing this? How, how am I going with this seemingly gigantic task ahead of me that I'm not prepared for, you know, that emotionally I can't handle, mentally I can't handle, physically I can't handle, but here I'm going along and I'm ahead of all of it. It's this, guys. Are you with me? This is what it is. 
This is the key to doing it. Because when you get to the front there, you got to know who he is to the point where you say, Lord, I have no clue. But you know what? I'm trusting you. I've been justified. And right now, receive your grace. And I'm going to go through this. Amen? Do you know that Jesus himself walked this way? Jared, you can come up. Thanks, man. Jesus himself walked the same way. Do you know that? There's a moment early on in his life, and he's sitting in the, in, in the synagogue, and, and he opens uh, um, the scroll of, of Isaiah, Isaiah, South Africa. He opens the scroll, and what does he read? He's like, I have come to mend the brokenhearted, set the captives free, open the eyes of the blind, open the ears of the deaf, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Right? What does he do? Closes the scroll. And he says, Verily I say unto thee. No, he didn't say that. But he says to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled. And they all go crazy. Ah, blasphemy. What? And he gets up and he walks out. Do you think Jesus had the confidence to say that because of duty? No. He didn't have the confidence to say that because of duty. He had the confidence to say that because of the justification he was given. Because you see, from the time he was born, his mother told him, baby, you're the one. You're going to save the whole world. He gets baptized and he comes out of the water. What happens? Everyone there hears, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What happens immediately in the desert, guys? If you are the son of God. The temptation of Jesus is no different from what you and I face every day. Because every day you've got evidence. Is God good? Or are the atheists right? And people say, oh, you see, he answers with the word. Knowing scripture is not going to help you unless you are justified by faith. Because you see, when he was in the desert and every temptation that came... He didn't answer because he knew scripture and regurgitated something. He's like, dude, I'm the beloved son of God. He's well pleased with me. There is nothing you can give me that he hasn't already. There's no way you can take me that he's not going to take me. Are you guys with me? Every person that came to Jesus for healing. What did he do? When they came to him, did he just be like, oh, there's no sickness here. Did he ignore it? No, he didn't. But he had a justification to bring healing. Are you with me? Two sets of evidence. Master, if you, heal, if, if you are willing, you'll be able to heal my hand. And he saw the hand. It was there, shriveled up. Did he pretend it wasn't? Did he say to the guy, Ah, oh, man, come on, have faith. See your hand. See it. Stretched out. Did he do that? What did he say? He said, I am willing, stretch forth your hand. Why did he say that? Because he was justified by God himself. Now, when you're going out in your day every single day, are you waiting for some monumentous moment? I don't even know if that's a word. Monumental moment, enormous moment, whatever. Are you waiting for this massive moment to raise someone from the dead? before you'll be willing to believe in what Christ has done? 
Are you waiting for the world to fall apart? Are you waiting for them to come knocking on your door to arrest you for not complying? Are you waiting for them to come after you because you believe in Jesus? Before you'll choose to believe that you are justified by faith? Or will you make a decision that you're not going to accept any death in your life? That even though you may be in it, you choose to place Jesus there. And you say, listen, this evidence of this problem is here. Here's it. Boom. I see this thing. But you know what? Christ is here with me. And the world has a justification for this to be here. But I've got a justification to overcome this. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're talking about the good fight of faith, ladies and gentlemen. You know, when Paul mentioned it there to Timothy, um, when he said, fight the good fight, the first fight is to an audience. Fight it. Make, make your case known. Defend it. You have to do the same in your own life. You're getting emotional? That's fine. Take a few deep breaths. You're feeling stress? That's fine. Take a few deep breaths. And through faith... In the front of all of these witnesses that you should fail, that you should be dead, you should be broke, you should be homeless, you should be sick. All these witnesses, the evidence of the world, they tell you all these things about death. Contend for your justification in your own heart. Nobody can do this for you. Your, your heart is your heart. You have to take a deep breath, stand up and say, God, I trust you. I choose to believe your justification. I choose to believe that you are who you say you are. I choose to believe that you are with me and that you will never let me down. And even though now it may seem fearful, it may seem all these things, but right now I choose the justification that Christ gave me. You know what's going to happen? As you do that, as you do that, the fear that's killing you from the inside will start subsiding. It's going to start subsiding. It's going to start subsiding. And eventually it's going to disappear. And your circumstance may be exactly the same, but you won't have fear in that circumstance. Because in your heart you are persuaded that you are justified only by faith in the finished work of Jesus. You have a license to believe for abundant life. You have a license to have a confident expectation of good. So I want to encourage you this morning, right now as your eyes are closed, make the decision in your heart to stand. Stand and say, Jesus, I believe. I believe and I'm going to hold fast to that. I am opening my heart to you. I believe you are true and I believe, Jesus, you did everything that was needed. Right now in your heart, acknowledge you don't have the wisdom. You don't have the skill. You don't have the strength, the experience, the money, the education. You have none of that. You don't need to have it. But what you need to have is a heart that receives. 
Humble yourself and open your hand to God. And let Him give to you more than you could ever gain yourself. So that whatever you need to go out and do in life, job, business, working on your marriage, raising your kids, running your family, whatever it is you need to do, you can do it powered by His grace. Led by His Holy Spirit in every moment. Thank you, Jesus. Give God a praise. Don't worry about the big stuff, guys. Practice these little things every day. Practice receiving from God, and I promise you, you'll never have fear. Fear will never stay. Maybe momentary here and there, but it'll never stay because you'll have evidence to expect good things. Amen? Amen. Did you guys get something this morning? Praise the Lord. Come on, give God one more round of applause.